everybody. Welcome to the very first episode of the Main Event Comedy Podcast. I'm Gene Jackson, a.k.a. Buck Jenkins. Call me whichever one you want. It's fine. And I'm going to bring in right now the rest of the gang, if you will. Let's welcome Delbert Jenkins, Wes Sears, and of course, you got to have Shane Knowles. Guys, how are you doing today? What's up? Hell yeah. Sunday fun day, baby. That's right. So, uh, we're calling the first episode, Meet the Four Horsemen of Funny. So, that's... uh, that's our nickname. Hell yeah! We got to we got to live up to it. We got to be now. We got to be funny. So we may have cornered ourselves here. I'm actually in a corner right now already. So yeah. I'm already freaking out. So you're literally in a corner. So uh, I am. So this podcast, uh, like I say, it's the first of it, the first one we've done. Uh, it's going to be about comedy, obviously. Uh, being that we're called main event comedy, we're going to talk a little wrestling here and there because, uh, you know, I have a, a history in being involved in professional wrestling in some capacity or another since 1997. I've wrestled, I've managed, I've announced and promoted and all that good stuff. And Delbert has wrestled and done all kinds of things. And Shane Knowles has wrestled and promoted, uh, well-known for being the promoter of Peach State Wrestling, uh, who have helped launch the careers of all sorts of uh, famous wrestlers, which I'm sure we'll talk about here. And, of course, Wes Sears, who is also a huge wrestling fan and is uh, looking at some point to maybe get his foot in the door of wrestling, I suggest don't bother. But um, (laughs) it's not what's correct. When you were putting over all the stuff you've done in how many years, I was like, I feel so bad for you, Gina. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The most I've done in all of it wasted. Sting mask up, so yes, there you see Sting look lurking in the background there. Wes's home studio, and uh, as you can see, Delbert at the halfway house. Is, uh, he's got he's got a pretty small window of time that they Love. let him on the internet, so we got to get this thing going. And I, well, I thought about this. I was like, you know, I felt bad that I'm over here in my Amish farmhouse until I saw the David Koresh bunker that Delbert sported. <laughs> <laughs> they come in every 10 minutes to make sure I'm not watching porn and jerking off again. Again. <laughs> yeah, I think they cut off his internet at three, so we need to, we need to get this going. Uh, <laughs> All right. We got a Waco reference in the first couple of minutes, so I'm pretty, pretty excited about that. Uh, so, uh, you know, main event comedy this is all kind of just fell together uh in the last couple of months and i'm pretty excited about it you know we're doing stand-up we've got a showcase show that we do the third saturday of every month at happy hour comedy club in anniston uh we're working on getting some other stand-up shows together we're going to talk about that a little more at the end we're going to plug those and uh, you know we're looking to do some uh Maybe some skits and some sketch comedy and different characters and different fun things. So, uh, hope everybody checks out the podcast. I don't know how we're going to try to do these maybe each week, at least every other week. We're going to, you know, I hate to uh, commit to, well, hello, that's <laughs> <laughs> all apologies. I was about to grab my wallet. Um, hello. Um. <laughs> I was going to say, apparently this is taking a whole different turn. Like, uh, this is Shane Knowles' personal, personal OnlyFans about to happen here. But, uh, <laughs> so, you know, to get the ball rolling, uh, 
I guess we'll kind of go around the room here, and uh, I guess I guess the easiest way to do it is we'll go in uh, alphabetical order, which is kind of how we're arranged here, and uh, ask uh, how everybody, you know, I mean, comedy's a broad thing, but, you know, what drew you to comedy to a point where you felt like it was something you wanted to be involved with, something you wanted to actually do? We'll start with Delbert. Uh, I've always been a fan of comedy. I've I always thought about doing stand-up ever since I was a kid watching, you know, uh, the uh, stand-up relief specials. You remember those on HBO? They'd have the stand-up relief with Robin Williams and Whoopi Goldberg and stuff. And I always wanted to do it. I used to watch a lot of uh, David Letterman. I used to stay up, watch David Letterman and stuff. I was I was crazy about that. And Saturday Night Live, I'm a huge fan of Saturday Night Live. But uh, I mainly, I, I don't know, I just like performing. I like trying to trying to perform or bomb or, you know, just kind of get a reaction or whatever. I think that's what led me to wrestling also. Yeah, and then you find out, you get our age and find out, like, wait a minute. I could have been performing all this time and not falling down and getting yes. hit in the head with things. There's, there's an easier way. Like, it's way, way easier on your body. <laughs> And I, and I also have heard a uh, rumor that you're a big fan of Bill Cosby. Not so much his comedy, but just you know, him as a person. Yeah, his. just more more of the raping. I'm into raping, pillaging, Vikings, that kind of stuff. American no, I'm, I'm totally kidding. I'm into, I'm into pharmaceuticals. <laughs> yeah, yeah what, or what, you're what they call an uh, amateur pharmacist or something of that effect. Shane exactly. Knowles, tell us a little bit about how you were drawn to comedy. Um, from an early age, my father, the golden age of comedy, you know, we watched the Three Stooges, Abbott and Costello, the Marx Brothers, who I really came to discover even more as I got older, that Groucho Marx, so far ahead of his time with one-liners and even innuendos that hold up in 2023. And then moving, you know, of course, watching sitcoms as a kid, some of the Christian-based comedians like Mark Lowry. That's kind of what I grew up on. But, you know, as you get older into high school and getting out, I started delving, discovering George Carlin and Andrew Dice Clay and uh, Richard Pryor, these guys that were always no-nos to play on the records of the tapes at the house. And now I had free reign to do so. And what Delbert touched on with Late Night, uh, Johnny Carson, I started watching towards the end of his run. Letterman, I was an avid Conan O'Brien watcher through all his uh, late night to the Tonight Show, then back to TBS. Um, but around 2008, uh, when I was working for Sony Music, a friend and I would go on Thursday evenings to a place called the Funny Farm Comedy Club in Alpharetta, Georgia. And it was a great deal. We worked 10 to 6. The comedy shows started at 8.30, so we got time to go. We didn't have to be in you know, too early the next morning for work. But in that five-year stretch, seeing people perform live like uh, – Goodness, Gallagher, Andrew Dice Clay, Bob Saget, Dave Coulier, Brett Butler, uh, Ari Spears, uh, Charlie Murphy, um, Andy Dick, unfortunately, saw him. The worst stand-up comic I've ever seen until Delbert <laughs> Jenkins. Um, just to, and seeing those guys getting to Burt Kreischer in his early development, you know, during those times. So seeing them up close and personal, Amy Schumer early on in her career, seeing them interact with the crowd – uh, and hearing, you know, eliciting the responses. I've always loved comedy. I love cracking jokes, making people laugh. But 
you know, kind of the transition out of wrestling after 15 and a half years of promoting or being in ring or broadcaster or whatnot, unfortunately not being able to find a reliable venue for wrestling, but still having the creative itch to perform. Uh, and I had done stand up twice back in 2012, just as a, a goof, like on an open mic night, didn't think anything about it. I didn't think I sucked. I didn't think I killed. I thought I was pretty much lukewarm. But then Gene came to me in January about doing uh, an open mic night. You talked about how this has grown organically. Uh, it's just all formed together, the four of us now doing this deal. So, I mean, uh, trying to find the right balance. Sometimes I like uh, not really talking about inappropriate because what's really inappropriate in 2023? But kind of like the Andy Coffin thing about, you know, maybe make you a little uncomfortable. Let's talk about the things that maybe are hush-hush. But then always make sure it's self-deprecating to rip on myself to let you know that I'm in on the butt of the joke too. Or as uh, Charles Anders accidentally said on a phone call I had with him yesterday, he referred to something being self-defecating. <laughs> and then he stopped because, wait a minute, is that the right term? I'm like, if you're talking about shitting yourself, yes. Otherwise, <laughs> you mean self-deprecating. He's like, oh, whatever. <laughs> Wes, what you got? Yeah, so, uh, you know, being born in 1994, you know, I'm going to name some little different people for me because, you know, we all, that's what I love about this group. We all have different people, different, you know, generate with different talent. And it, you know, I'm going to piggyback a little bit because we talked about SNL and for SNL, for me, you know, of course we can talk about Chris Farley, you know, we can talk about David Spade, we can talk about, but like Bill Hader for me, fantastic. I lo always love Bill Hader. You know, Bill Hader was always funny. He had characters. He had the voices. I mean, and even doing serious stuff today, he's, he's phenomenal. Um, Dane Cook for me, uh, Jane, uh, Jim Carrey. You know, I, I'm big on high energy. And even me on stage, my biggest thing is I'm going to bring the energy. Look, it, it, my jokes might be shit, but you can't talk about my energy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm up there, yeah. amped up, I'm ready to go. And, you know, guys like Jim Carrey, you know, Dane Cook, I mean, besides the stealing jokes, you know, his energy. I, th I think the energy yeah. was like, oh, that's funny, even though it's not as funny if he just was – you know, if he didn't do it like that, it wouldn't be as funny. Uh, Conan O'Brien, love Conan, man. I, and to this day, I watch all of his uh, random skits and stuff he did with his uh, crew and, you know, different celebrities and stuff, and it's hilarious. Uh, his podcast, you know, Conan needs, uh, needs a friend, meets a friend, whatever. Um, fantastic, you know. Uh, definitely love Conan O'Brien. Uh, Dave Chappelle, uh, Bill Burr, uh, John Mulaney, which is someone who ties in with, you know, Bill Hader. With SNL, yeah. I mean, it great comedians, uh, and even going before technically me was we you know Eddie Murphy, you know, and, I, and being older and getting into comedy, you know, I was looking into the, the history of comedy, and dude, Eddie Murphy is all over that too, you know, uh, literally carrying SNL for what two seasons a season, and then you know, it, it and when you realize today, the guy was like, only like nineteen or twenty years old when that was going on. Yeah, you know. and yeah, I think he's one bro, of the only people who was actually in the cast that hosted. And it's I was just about to tell you that trivia. Yeah, the first, I think the only person whose star yeah. was so uh, high that he hosted SNL while being an active cast member. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is amazing. You know, uh, and then like literally just goes from this kind of comedy to he goes family <laughs> movies and then just... Stay at home dad, basically. Yeah, I mean, I know he's still on the sets and stuff, but 
I mean, he let it all go just for his family. I mean, dude, we can go all day about, you know, why I'm in the company because uh, yeah. it's just a beautiful thing, you know, so. I'm a big fan of Bill Hader. Uh, I've, I've spent a lot of time getting roped in on YouTube watching just his interviews from late night shows where he does all his impressions and voices and everything. Uh, and just watching him. I mean, usually it's considered a bad thing, but just watching him break during skits on Saturday Night Live, <laughs> it, it, it just works. Uh, and I, You touched on something there that it hit me one of our last shows. Um, I, was, I was watching and listening, and I'm like, man, you know, the, the four of us are like-minded as far as in what we're wanting to do. We're wanting to make something of this. We're wanting to get out there and have some fun and do some comedy, but we're very different in our styles on stage and our deliveries and the kind of material we do. Um, you know, me, me, Delbert and Shane are all pretty close in age. I'll make within a couple of years where Wes is quite a bit younger than us. Uh, I was grad- I graduated high school in 95. And so <laughs> when you said when you when you were born, I'm like, okay, yeah, he's a lot younger, but I think that uh I think that helps. I think it makes it interesting and uh you know, it gives us a little perspective, a different perspective because if we were all I mean, you see a lot of comedy groups and shows that are booked around, you know, groups of people who are all almost exactly the same and it's like hearing the same person four times in a lot of way they have the same you know voice i don't mean literal voice but i mean like same perspective same point of view um same experience and so uh i think that's one of the things that make us work and um i've said it away from here i've said it in group chats and all but i'm gonna say it you know here on the show uh i was i've been proud of all the shows we've done together but that last show we did together I was super proud of that. Like everybody killed it. Like you guys, the the guys that we brought in from Montgomery, Tyler Fomby and James Mm -hmm. Edgerson, those guys were hilarious. They're both looking to come back and we're going to be bringing them back this summer. Uh, Looking forward to working with them again. That's awesome. Um, And so uh, each show, every show we've done has had more people than the, the, the previous show. We had a really good crowd at the last show. So, uh, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited about it. Um, you know, I could go into what draws me to comedy, but it really wouldn't be that much different than, you know, what you guys said. You know, I remember you know, growing up, you know, watching Saturday Night Live. I always liked seeing the comedians on the late night talk shows. Um, and I just remember being always, I always loved wrestling. That was my first love. And I always wanted to figure out a way to get involved with that. But in the back of my mind, you know, even as a young kid, and I would watch somebody doing stand up comedy. And think, wow, that's a that's a job. Like that's this guy makes a living standing up there telling jokes. Like, damn, that's pretty cool, you know. And so, I haven't ever been successful enough at either thing. That I mean, I've always always had a real job. I have one now, but you know, it's always been my dream to do something in entertainment. Like Steve or Delbert, I'm going to call him that off and on throughout this. People will say just <laughs> understand that he's used to it by now. But as Delbert pointed out, you know, it was like uh, the itch of wanting to entertain people, whether it's, you know, standing in front of a crowd, being an asshole uh, as a heel wrestling manager or, you know, up on stage trying to make somebody laugh. And I have found in in the last year and a half or so that I've really focused on comedy and moved further and further away from wrestling. And I think uh, you guys can, uh, you know, 
probably attest to this, I would think. Um, after a while, and even not even after a while, because Wes, I'm sure you could go do it next weekend. Going in front of an audience, especially in the South, of wrestling fans, and getting them to yell at you and be mad at you, it's not that challenging. Uh, especially if you've followed, if you've watched wrestling, if you know anything about wrestling, if you know anything about human psychology, it's not that much of a challenge to go out in front of a bunch of wrestling fans and piss them off. And so, uh, for the last year or so, I, I would go to shows and manage, and afterwards, it's like, eh, I didn't really enjoy that that much. It's, it's not that fun. It's not that hard. But every crowd is different at a comedy show. I mean, I've done the same material, and in one place, it kill, and in the next place, it's mm, lukewarm, and in, in another place, it just be no, no response. So you're always on edge, no matter how good you think you are or how much confidence you start to garner there's always that chance when you go up there's like tonight's the night i might completely eat shit and if i start to what do i have to fall back to, on what can i shift to and so that's been my mission for me and we're going to get into this a little more here at a moment in this past year and a half is to keep because when i first started and we'll 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 stop here and, and talk about this for a minute about everybody's level of experience and everything. I first started doing this in 2006. Started doing some open mics at the Stardome in Birmingham. And so I would go down there, and it was usually a lot of the same people in the crowd and just a lot of the same people performing. So every time I would go, like once every couple of months when they did it, I would try to do a completely different set. And I finally, the, the owner pulled me aside. And he's like, hey, man, like, where's that? that Alabama Auburn joke you did last time, that got a really good response. I was like, well, yeah, I did it last time. He's like, well, that's what you got to do. You've got to repetition. You've got to work on this stuff. You've got to, you know, get good and you got to, you know, work your material out. So then I started shifting my thought process on that. And then, then I kind of strayed away from it, went back to doing wrestling and didn't do it for years after that. And so uh, now I'm trying to find a delicate balance of, working on stuff and doing enough that I have it down. I know things that work. I know stuff that need work, then also introducing new stuff in there so I can keep building up, you know, my material to, you know, have <clears throat> a variety of things to where if I go up and this isn't working, oh, okay, well, I can do this over here or I can do that over there or whatever, where it's not like I got my five minutes prepared and it's five minutes don't go well. Oh, shit, I'm screwed. Because that happened at the Stardome a couple of times. I went up. Got about two jokes in and realized it wasn't working, but I didn't have my other stuff memorized. So I just started like just hit, cutting a heel promo. I just started ripping on people in the crowd for the rest of my three minutes. It was just being like, you know, Don Rickles or some shit. And that didn't go over well at an open mic in Birmingham, as you can imagine. So tell me a little bit about uh, your guys' thoughts on that as far as, you know, how you approach each show and decide. Well, I'll tell you what, before we get to that, let's take a step back. Let's start, we'll go around the room here again real quick. Delbert, what is your process of writing jokes and coming up with material? Uh, usually it's just something I think about most of the time when I'm driving or whatever, and it'll pop me, and I'll, uh, or I'll hear something, somebody will say something, and I, you know, I elaborate on it and make it into something else 
and then I, I usually voicemail it to my phone, or not voice, but voice to text to my phone in the notes, and I'll tell the joke to my phone. And then I'll come home and I'll tell my girlfriend, and if she gives me the fucking look, that look like that's not funny at all, I know I might have something. <laughs> She's not very good at jokes. <laughs> about you shane i don't do voice to text because unlike delbert i can type so whenever i think of something <laughs> i put it in my phone uh but yeah no seriously like driving i do a lot of driving for work so while listening to podcasts or songs or uh reading articles because that's the thing too i've been a trivia host for about 10 years so trying to stay on top of what's current, you know, what people know about as far as questions, but then trying to lampoon that much like the recent Bud Light controversy or OnlyFans or if you hear any of my material. I mean, I would love to do stuff that I love that pertains to the 70s, 80s and 90s, but I also know you're hitting a niche audience there that a lot of times what you see in a comedy club is going to be people ages 21 to 35. I think, you know, and we've seen that in the shows that we've done. And happy hour. Now I can't wait to go to a room full of people that's you know over fifty five, and I'm like, these are my people. Let me hit you with some Pink <laughs> Floyd beat bullshit and uh, some of the Berserker and Big Boss Man wrestling references. But uh, for writing, it's just uh, you know what's going on and how can you twist it? How can you try to make a joke out of what doesn't make sense in our world and make it fit into a comedy platform? And what you talked about uh, before you go to Wes, I don't want to cut in his time, but talking about the uh, the outlet, what you're talking about is a lot like wrestling. It, it, if a lot of guys go out there and it's like, I'm going to do A, B, C, D, and E, and I don't care what the audience thinks about it. This is what we called, brother. And it doesn't work. You've seen it at wrestling shows. They sit on their hands. They're on their cell phones. They go to the bathroom. That's what I like about comedy I'm learning is it may kill me. It may kill my coworkers. But then I get on stage and Jim Bob's like, that shit ain't funny. You got to go to something else. I'm also brand new. I'm really green. This is, I've been, you know, New Year's Eve was my first time doing any kind of stand-up. So I'm kind of touch and feel and learn as you go. And I'm kind of doing a character. And that's kind of a security blanket. Because if uh, my shit don't work, then they didn't get Delbert. You know what I mean? It's not, not nothing personal. So I kind of can side shift away from it. But my stuff is just like you were saying, like I got A, B, C, D, and E. And a lot of times I'm so fucking nervous, man. I can't think like if I don't look at my set list or whatever, I'll just be standing there staring at motherfuckers. All right. Wes. Your, de your delivery though, Dale, but I was going to say is what's good. Cause I feel like Absolutely. not that any of us are screaming and yelling, but you're the Arn Anderson of the group, if we're going to call ourselves the Four Horsemen of Funny, because you talk in a voice where I've got to listen to what you're saying. I can't be like half-assed ordering a drink. No, i got to listen to Delbert, and then if I like it, I'm going to give you the response. So I feel like your character, because there was I think the last show we did, that joke you told about your friend that goes to Academy Sports, and when you hit the punchline, it was like three seconds of silence, and then they all erupted. I think it's because they were all hanging on. Oh, that's the joke, you know. I, mean, I don't know if that came across the way I'm saying it. You got a huge response for that. Well, I'm a, way. 
I love that that real dry. That's my. I think that's my niche. Is that real dry, real short kind of zingers? None of it. All of it's bullshit. You know what I'm saying? It's just mm-hmm. a lot of uh, a lot of Stephen Wright, a lot of Mitch Headburn. That just juggy burnout. Like you don't know if I'm about to run the fuck out of the room or if I'm gonna finish what I'm saying. If I got a coherent sentence, I'm kind of putting on a. Like I'm shy to be there or whatever. That's what I'm trying to give off the illusion of or whatever. I'm, I may not be doing a great job, and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So, no. To that point, I thought that the first time I saw you do your deal, it looked like as you got to talking, like someone had forced you up on stage and was like, "Well, I'm going to talk about this." And I loved it. That was, so it got across with me. Yeah. Well, and the way your voice never changes throughout your set. Like, there's never, like, a higher, lower, dude, it's just consistency with that character, too, that it, 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 it works, man. It absolutely works. That's a lot of the, the Stephen Wright. I always thought he was so different than everybody because he never changed shit. He looked like he didn't want to fucking be there. Like, you were bothering him coming to his fucking show. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And that's what I like. I feel like there's kind of an up and down, like, you know, like Buck's character, he's kind of loud, he's kind of obnoxious, but he's not real high energy or anything, but he's just kind of a loud, everybody knows that dude. He's like, okay, this guy's a fucking redneck guy. But then Delbert's got this kind of like, you know, I'm dipping my toe in the water, I'm telling this joke. And then when the response comes, and you can see he's getting a little more confidence, you know. And then, you know, I like the tags you're putting on now where if, like, you put it out there and it's kind of a mild direction. You're like, yeah, fuck it, me neither. And then that gets a laugh, you know. And then Wes has got the real high energy. Because if we all four had the energy Wes had by the third one that come up, everybody's just like, whew, okay, calm down. But I, I, I feel like all that's what makes this work because there's different – Levels that I like that once I like putting you after Delbert because, like you said, it kind of you know, he, he is quieter, he kind of brings it down, and then you come out and you're like, Whoa, you're out there, you're in their face, and it kind of brings things back up. You know, uh, there actually is a strategy. Like, I, I know when you see, I send out, I'm, I'm trying to get in the habit now before these shows in the group chat, I send out the lineups, and I do actually kind of like. Shane can, you know, appreciate and like how you book a wrestling card. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to apply some logic to how I lay out the lineup. Uh, when you figure in like whatever, whatever other people are with us that night as well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a work in progress to figure that out. But, um, I think we hit it last time. Like, I think, uh, I think we, uh, we pretty well nailed it. I thought that, that lineup worked out really well. So, uh, I don't know. We're still toying with everything, seeing how it works. But, uh, anyway, Wes, uh, what's your, what's your writing process of coming up with material? <clears throat> so basically my writing process and you guys know it, I'm, I'm a storyteller, you know, uh, I do have like a few, maybe one or two little punchlines I'll do, you know, pretty one hitters and, little one honors or whatever but like for me it's it's what i go like that walmart joke i, I wrote about that old guy and the chicken 100 percent real it, it's my imagination as well <clears throat> is what i'm going through you know being a manager yeah. being married 
you know, trying to go to Walmart, trying to play golf, you know, it, it's things that I go through that, and even like Shane was saying, I'll grab my phone go, you know, type it real quick. And, you know, Gene, I told you in, my, in the interview we had, just me and you, um, yeah. most of the time, whatever I go through, but I man, golfing, whatever, I already find the punchline on what I want to make that punchline. And it's just, well, how do I get there? So that that's the story part of it. I mean, I'm I'm a big story guy. I like to I like to paint the picture. I guess I'm like Bob Ross, you know, making you know these little trees over here. And but I, I love putting people. Hey, be in my shoes. Let me tell you what I went through. You know, and make a joke out of it. You know, dude, I had to go to Birmingham to learn about sexual harassment. That's a joke. Like. You know, it, it, it's stuff that I think is funny, and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll try to layer it out in my, in my phone, in my notes on, okay, we're going to go here, 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 boom, you know, and that's just, that's just how I do it, you know, been doing it for a long time, and I, I, I enjoy it, you know, like I said earlier, I think my energy is, is, is what makes it better, you know, and I'm okay to say that, you know, I like, <laughs> I like to, I like to bring it, you know, so... <laughs> Which is good. I mean, which is good. Um, I, yeah. you know, I've read, I don't know how many books over the last 15 years I've read on comedy, you know, as far as books about how to do comedy and how to, you know, start a career in comedy and all this. And I've watched videos, I've watched all kinds of stuff and everybody unanimously always says, you know, Oh, you've got to sit down and write every day. You've got to spend an hour a day writing, or you got to spend however many weeks a day writing. And so we've all just, you know, said right here on camera that like none of us sit down with a goddamn notebook and just write. Like, okay, it's three thirty. I, I gotta, I gotta sit and write. I've tried that in the past, and it just don't work. Like, I just, I can't do it. Like, oddly enough majority of material I come up with is usually when I wake up in the morning, I'm laying there in bed, I'll think of something. And then I'll, as I'm in the shower, I'll think of like, okay, well, how can I make that into some kind of bit? And then I'll, I've got about a 40 minute drive to work and then I'll kick it around in my head a little more driving to work. And that's usually how I come up with stuff. And then I'll catch myself every once in a while. Cause I, I, I don't really consider myself a storyteller at this point, although I have tried to find ways that I'll take my 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 lineup of stuff I want to talk about and try to weave it into where it sounds like it's, you know, all somehow works together. But I've caught myself a couple of times now, like where I'll tell something that happened at work or tell, you know, people a story of something that happened. And about the third time I tell it and people laugh, I'm like, why the fuck am I not using that in comedy somewhere? Like I'm telling the story cause it's funny. It's getting a laugh every time, but then I have to break it down and go, okay, is that only funny because they know me? Is that funny universally? Is it only funny because, you know, they've been in this situation, they work in this line of business, they, you know, and, and got to pick all that apart to, to make sure that like, okay, because, you know, when I was going down to uh, the Stardome, when I was starting out, people I worked with, I told them I was doing it. And so they were coming to me like, hey, you remember when that happened with that customer that time and this happened? Oh, that was really funny. I told my friends about it and they all laughed. 
And so I had a whole set of like retail stories. And that's the one I was talking about earlier that I started bombing. And I just had to revert to just like crowd work because people weren't laughing. And after a minute, I realized I'm like, oh shit, they're not laughing because they're on the other side of the counter. This isn't funny to them. Unless you're working in retail, this isn't a funny story. Like I'm making fun of them, you know? So that's the only thing I run into on stories is trying to figure out like, all right, is everybody going to find this funny or do you have to kind of know me? Now here's another element of all this. So when I started in 2006 and as I did comedy sporadically over the years, I was just Gene Jackson which Gene Jackson's my wrestling name. Gene Jackson isn't my real name. My real name's Gene, but my last name is such an odd, oddly spelled and pronounced name. I changed it just because I didn't think people could say it. So then Delbert. I used that when I started doing comedy. And um, then I, I come up with this Whitey Jenkins character related to wrestling and made videos for YouTube. And basically, I've talked about this in other places. You can see the interview with me and Charles Anders where I talked about the fact that Whitey Jenkins was a character that, A, made fun of Kevin Brannon, Mickey Henry, and a half dozen other independent Alabama wrestling promoters. He was just a rib on those guys that eventually found his way on a comedy stage. And I started using that character on stage. And I had a wig and sunglasses and all this shit. And then eventually I decided Whitey might be offensive. Some people may be scared of that name. So then I changed it to Buck Jenkins and and all this. Um, And for a while, that made it easy for me to come up with material because I thought more people can relate to Buck Jenkins, this redneck guy, than necessarily... Gene Jackson that manages an outdoor store on a daily basis and, you know, has a real specific life. And so a lot of the material I wrote is, you know, and some of the stuff that I do is pretty specific to that character. Cause I know as soon as I walked out on stage and they saw the wig and the sunglasses and heard me talking like this, they know who this guy is. Everybody who lives in Alabama knows who the hell that guy is. And so I liked that for a while, but, then it started feeling kind of limiting because, like I said, I would I would come across stories uh, that I found funny or think of jokes that I thought was funny. But then I'm like, well, I really can't picture that being told by this guy in that voice. Um, so then I started feeling limited by it. So and the other thing is when I started getting these other bookings, like it was time for me to go to Huntsville to this uh Keenan Thompson thing where there was going to be 30 fucking comedians there. And I'm like, do I want to have to stand around like, like an asshole in this fucking wig for two and a half hours before I go on stage and do my three minutes? And I'm like, not really. So I ditched the wig. And then like, I'm back there and people are coming up talking to me. And so I'm using my normal voice, but then I go up on stage and I'm doing that fucking voice and that felt weird. So about two shows ago, I don't know if y'all noticed or not, but I just stopped using the fucking voice on stage. And so, like I said, now at this point, Buck Jenkins is just Gene with sunglasses and a different outfit than what I would wear in my everyday life. And I'm still figuring it out. Like, you know, 
I think Buck Jenkins is a more marketable name than Gene Jackson, I think. I don't, but then again, I don't know that it even really fucking matters. But I've got a couple of friends that are just adamant, don't stop using that name. Don't be Gene Jackson for whatever reason. So it's I'm a good name. That. Um, but so for you guys, I mean, I mean, Delbert, yeah, that's a character. And I mean, for the most part, just Steve using the name Delbert. But then again, there, are, yeah. there are some aspects that, like you said, he's playing up, you know, he's scared and nervous. But then again, he's back there about to puke in a garbage can because he's scared and fucking nervous. So, again, it's not exactly a character either. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I hear that a lot. Like I said, I've watched videos and shows and I've read books and everybody talks about finding your voice and your on-stage persona and all this shit. So we'll switch things up. We'll start with you this time, Wes. Um, do you feel like, are you just Wes when you go on stage or is there an on-stage persona? Is there a specific voice that Wes Sears, the comedian on stage, differs from Wes Sears that walks through everyday life? Well, I mean, it, you know, I'm, I'm a high-energy guy anyway. You know, even doing this, you know, I'm, I'm you know, um, but I crank it up a notch, you know, I definitely crank it up a notch, uh, on stage because I mean, like I said, you know, like watching Jim Carrey and his stand-up, you know, material, it was pacing a lot of movement, a lot of facial expressions, you know, stuff like that. Even with, uh, Dane Cook, you know, dude was literally all set, you know, just moving. And, uh, even his earlier stuff, he was more, you know, than he was, you know, today. But I, I definitely crank it up a little bit, you know, with, my, with, with who I am. You know, I'm already a high energy guy, but when I when I get out there, I'm trying to. And, and I think it's a, being a wrestling fan, you know, seeing how how they get in the ring. You know, like your John Cena's, your you know The Rock, you know the the energy, Shawn Michaels, you know, just the energy, Ric Flair, for God's sake, you know, and his interviews, just in his promos, just he was he was in there, and he was in your face about it, and. That's the big thing about me on, on stage is, you know, I'm, I'm going to get in your face and it's either you're going to laugh or you're not. It is what it is, you know, and that's a big thing in my set is just cranking it up just a little bit, you know. Yeah. And I, 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 I count myself as like a roller coaster, you know, you better buckle up because we're going on a ride, you know, like I'm, we're going to, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be high volume the entire time. You know, and I, I do crank it down, you know, here and there, you know, especially when I'm about to hit my punchline, I'll, I'll crank it down a lot and then pause, boom, you know. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I'm, I'm me, you know, I don't have necessarily a character. I think it's just, I crank it up yeah. just a little bit. Yeah. So, like, you ramp up your personality. Like, for like, I guess, for instance, like, I used to have some jokes that I would do as Gene on stage way back mm -hmm. when. And when I started doing Whitey and almost exclusively doing whitey i'm like all right i can't do those jokes because that's too smart for the whitey jenkins character like he wouldn't think of that so i mm -hmm. dropped them and so now i'm like well i'm now, now i'm kind of a weird combination of these two could i bring that back now or is that still but jenkins still wouldn't do that even if he's not talking like a fucking idiot uh so that's still you know things that i ponder that i work on day to day shane for you like, as far as I know, to my knowledge, what I, what I, as far as I've known you, you know, you've been Shane Knowles as the wrestler. You've been Shane Knowles as the promoter. 
your Shane Knowles trivia host and now Shane Knowles comedian. Um, do those all converge to be the same guy? And another point to kind of mix in here. I know for a lot of people, um, I've got a friend that's fixing to try comedy for the first time on our next show. I'm going to work him in. Uh, he's been wanting to do it. He's real funny on Facebook. So I was like, oh, man, we'll give you a shot. You know, why not? Um, but most people, their biggest fear beyond can I come up with funny material? Are people going to laugh? It's just that fear of getting up on stage and talking in front of people. But you, because this helped me out a lot, I had already spent all those years in front of crowds as a wrestler, as an announcer, as a manager, as a this and that. And when you've had a thousand people boo you out of the building and hate you and throw shit at you, what's the worst they can do to you at a comedy show? You know. <laughs> So do you find that half the battle is won? I guess what I'm it's taking a long way around to get around to asking you the obvious question. I'm sure the answer is going to be obvious, but is half the battle already won that you don't have anxiety about talking in front of people uh, because you've had all these years experience doing it in various forms um, and you can really concentrate on the material and are my jokes funny or am I overthinking that? No, you're right on point. Uh, much like G.I. Joe, knowing is half the battle. Half the battle with talking on a microphone, whether it be during an interview or in ring, before a match and after a match, doing ring announcing, commentating for 15 years in wrestling, and then two nights a week uh, hosting local live trivia either in the East Alabama, West Georgia region. I feel like that's a little bit of cheating as far as like, I kind of know how my voice is. I kind of know how I need to project. and. Uh, now, like, you know, you nailed it. I mean, as far as doing the material and getting it right, but I mean, as far as like, hey, you got to go up there and talk, that's not a big thing. I know the, the fear of public speaking is the number one fear uh, among people. And I certainly get it, you know, because there's self-doubt and anguish within yourself about talking in front of people I don't know or even people that you do know. But thanks to those two uh, fields of entertainment, I feel like I've had a little bit of a cheating process. And as far as, is it me? Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of an extension to me. There may be more facial expressions, you know, uh, but I, I wouldn't think that too many people that have been around me in a wrestling locker room or just hung around and shot the shit for 20, 30 minutes. And I go up there. Now the punchlines and the scenarios may be a little bit more wacky than what I might stand around talking to you, smoking a cigarette, but I don't think that it's uh, too far off from who I am. I always liked your uh, your vocabulary, how you put words together. You 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 spit that shit like you're a professor, like you're really you, for real. When I'm when I'm sitting over there, we're listening to you. I always uh, am watching people and stuff, and they're all just hanging on what you're saying. I just I like the way you articulate how you how you put your words together and stuff. I think that's a that's an art in itself, you know. So let me ask you, Delbert, um, now you're a guy that you, you've spent years in professional wrestling. You've cut promos for, you know, and you've had people come after you in the parking lot, you know, so you're not scared of reactions. But, um, you know, you said you're new to this. You have, I mean, your first stand-up show was, you know, New Year's Eve. And people that see your sets, be it live or, you know, on video, are always shocked at that, you know, that you haven't been doing it longer. Um, 
So for you, I know you do have some anxiety about it when you go up there. Is the anxiety strictly about self-doubt in the material or if it's going to get a laugh, if it's good, if it's bad, or do you have just anxiety about going up on stage without the facade of, hey, I'm here to be bad guy wrestler. You're supposed to boo me, so I know I can do that. Like, what what is it, I guess? What creates that anxiety? I don't know. I think I'm, I'm – it, it's weird because I'm scared of the crowd, but I don't give a shit what they think. You know what I mean? It's kind of a, like 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 both ways. But like you were talking about, like the doing any crowd work, I would be I do I do a couple of jokes where I, you know, I ask the crowd a question or whatever. But it's doesn't matter what the fuck they say. I'm gonna you know go on, but to actually fuck with them, it scares the shit out of me. In wrestling, you would never let even giving nobody the chance to get the upper hand on you. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to hit my remark and I'm going to walk on and, you know, kind of hit and miss. And, and there you got to, I guess you're just taking the brunt of it. I don't, I guess I don't want to look stupid, but I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't know. It, it's weird. It, I, I think because I'm nervous too, because I always wanted to do it. I don't want it. I don't want it to be a joke. I don't want it to be, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to, really make make something happen or at least for that those few minutes i got to you know to really yeah. kind of capitalize on it or whatever i don't want to you know I, more more of a failure to myself i think is the anxiety but it, it, it's it's weird because in wrestling like i i managed last night and manage ain't, ain't shit but when i was wrestling i I quit getting nervous like i didn't give a fuck you know what i'm saying they would be like you're gonna do this you're gonna do that i'd be like all right and they'd be like there's 2,000 people, there's 5,000 people, whatever. I never cared. You know what I'm saying? It, I wasn't nervous. I didn't get the jitters. I didn't feel like I was going to throw up. But that one night when you just like, and I'll introduce you, and you walked away, I thought I was going to puke and shit myself. Like, right then. I was just like, yeah, uh. <laughs> Like, uh, it's just, I don't know. It's like a rush for me. Like, I was high off of it. Like, I didn't get high off wrestling anymore. When, when we, we do these shows or whatever, and I come down, I'm like, you know what I'm saying? I'm high off of it. Like, I used to get off wrestling or whatever. And it's more challenging. There's nobody to blame. Who are you going to blame? You're going to blame the crowd? You know what I'm saying? It, it's all on you. There's nobody else. In wrestling, you'd be like, well, the dude I wrestled fucking sucked. Or this guy, referee's referee an idiot. Spot, yeah. yeah, yeah, the promoter don't know what he's doing. You, you got a thousand things you can blame it on. But out there, it's, it's your fault. <laughs> you know what I mean? Give or take. Yeah, because if that are not buying what you're selling, it's your job to figure it out. I was going to say to that point, Delbert, uh, even though I say it's cheating, having the experience when Gene brought me up in January, about five minutes before I'm having some nervousness. And I'm like, what are you nervous about? But then I realized I'm not going out here and cutting a wrestling promo off the cuff, or I'm not about to ask some pre-planned questions that I've written for you to give the answer. Like, Oh no, man, you got material. You got to go out here and you got to, you know, feed with these people. And you haven't done that in a long time. And you were talking about the challenge, but I love that. I love the fact that, even though we've had some of the same people at the same shows, we have different people at every show. And one thing that goes through my mind on this is each person I think is different at a comedy show. Some people are coming to see you because they're your friend or your coworker, or they're coming with a friend or a coworker, 
But think about the people that kind of get coerced into coming where it's like, oh, you know, I just had a bad breakup or I lost my job. Somebody's like, well, come get some lab. They have no clue who you are. They may not even kind of want to be there. You've got to do what you can to get laughter out of them. So it's challenging different people to me in the crowd. They're there for different reasons. Hopefully all to laugh, but as far as like how they got there, maybe under, you know. And and that brings up an interesting topic. And I know we can't talk about all things comedy in the first episode because what will be left. But um, that is why I have found that I enjoy doing comedy in a comedy club a lot more than doing comedy in restaurants and bars because whether they got drugged there or they're just there with friends because that's what everybody else is doing. But on some level, everyone in that room is there to see comedy. They know that's why they were there. They pulled up in front of a place that has comedy in the name. And so that's what they expect. And a lot of times you do these bar shows and people come to drink and have fun and talk to their friends. And they're like, who are these assholes in the corner over here telling jokes and they're annoyed by it. And now you got to try to win people over, or you got to entertain people that are interspersed amongst these people who aren't there for it. And it's a challenge and it, and it can be super frustrating, uh, both for the performer and for the other people who are there for the comedy and are, you know, distracted by the people who aren't there for the comedy. I have to hundred percent agree, dude. And I mean, you know, there's places I've been in gas and, you know, I've, I've done places in Jacksonville and I've never honestly like around here had an actual comedy club and dude, it hits different. Like you said, I mean, you know, you go to this place cause Hey, it's tequila night or Hey, yeah. $2 off on billards, you know, shooting pool, you know, over here, but there's Shane in the back telling jokes and the whole time there's, Oh, I hit the damn eight ball. And, you know, Shane's up there trying to tell jokes. Complete different atmosphere with a comedy club because people come in and, yeah, they're going to eat. They might have something to drink, but they yeah. know, okay, there's there's a couple comedians tonight. That's why we, we came, and that's the main – and, dude, they're so respectful. And that's a big thing that I've uh, noticed these last two shows that we've had, guys, is the crowd is so respectful. You know, they might comment out loud, which I don't mind. Yeah. You know, they're not uh, – to me, they're not trying to – you know, overtake the show or anything, they're involved. And I love the crowd involvement as well. But they're so respectful, you know, it's very quiet. And, dude, yeah, it's, it's a whole different ballgame when you have a crowd like that. So, Yeah, I kind of came in uh, backwards because that's what, like, I started out doing, like, Stardome. I did a mm-hmm. couple of mics at the Comedy Catch in Chattanooga. Uh, I got to do a showcase at Stand Up Live in Huntsville. And then I went and did some bars and like, oh shit, this sucks. And, you know, and then like, um, now the flip, the the other, the other thing though, is like, um, I got to do a show. I got to open for, uh, Casio kid at stand up live back at, uh, the night before new year's Eve. And there was like 300 people there and I wasn't nervous at all. Like it was great. Like it was, it was fun. I mean, everybody, you know, tickets were what they were, so people were there to laugh, and they were very attentive, and it was a great night. I've had nights at happy hour, like last year, when they were first getting opened back up from COVID and all that, 
And, like, we literally did shows where there were more comedians than there were, like, people in the crowd. Like, we literally did a show yeah. one night for two people, a, a, a 70-year-old black couple. It was me and a dude called Mr. Inappropriate. Whitey Jenkins and a black guy from Atlanta named Mr. Inappropriate doing a, doing their, our sets for a 70-year-old black couple who were there for their anniversary, their, like, 50 something anniversary. And that was brutal. Pressure's on. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like some of those some of those wrestling shows where you wrestle in front of everybody else's girlfriend. Yeah, but even then, there's usually more girlfriends than that. And there's been shows where there's been like two or three people there, and people talk about yeah. being nervous and stuff. Like it is way less stressful to do a comedy show in front of 300 people or 500 people than it is in front of three. Like yeah. I don't know if you guys have done that yet, but it sucks. I did a whole yeah. Not long ago, and uh, yeah, and it, it was literally everybody who was working there, the host of the open mic, and my wife. Yeah, and they were like, "You, you still want to go up there?" And I was like, "I mean, fuck it, yeah, you I'm know, here. I'm here." You know, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, it was, it was, I mean, it, it was fine. But I mean, like you said, dude, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's it's just more pressure for some reason when it's less. Compressed. It is it, well, because weird, you're. Man. You are completely aware of the exact reaction of everybody in that room because you can see them. Like it's not like mixed laughter, and you don't know that a few of these people didn't laugh. Like, and it's awkward. And what sucks is it gets bad. It sucks for the comedian. It's awkward for the person in the crowd because like they know you're aware of every reaction, so they're like, <laughs> yeah, because you're you're looking right at them. <laughs> uh, I would wish that on either, either side. <laughs> and that's why the couple times this happened, I've been like, hey, man, let's just call this shit off. And they're like, no, man, they've paid and, you know, we're, we got to do this. And it's like, oh, but that's why every time, you know, even though there's been some shows we've had that didn't have great crowds, but like it was still like, well, Knowles was talking about the first one he came to, that open mic. Like right up till he showed up, I was, I was telling Delbert, I was like, Jesus Christ, dude, this is going to be one of these four people nights. This is going to fucking suck. I was ready to try to call it off and then Shane rolls up and then there ended up being about, I don't know, seven, eight, nine people or that came to see him and we ended up having a decent little crowd, you know, and I was like, whew, all right. Yeah. Shane Knowles saved the day. Uh, and that makes a big difference. I mean, it makes oh, a huge yeah. difference. And that's just like why, you know, like this guy that um, I'm letting do this show uh, on the 20th, uh, he knows, like Rosie knows him. Uh, he's a friend of ours and like I say, he's you know, pretty funny guy on Facebook and stuff, but you know, he got on Facebook. He's like, does anybody know where I can go try stand up comedy? So I sent him a message like, yeah, I, I know I got a show you can come do. Cause I figure, Hey, it's a nice thing to do. I wish somebody had helped me out when I was trying to break in and to do comedy and wrestling and different stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's going to have some people come see him. Some, we'll sell some tickets, you know, and then maybe they'll keep coming or they'll tell somebody or, you know, snowballs and that's how you build stuff. So, uh, you know, I'm always open to, uh, that's uh, opportunities, and uh, you know, it's how you. I mean, this shit's all about networking. I know wrestling's about networking too, but comedy more so than anything is about. I mean, because I mean, look at just like us on the screen right now. We're building our circle out from us, and each you know, each time we bring somebody in, they're bringing in somebody new, and um, that's just how that's how this shit works. So, uh, 
we're gonna we're gonna end the comedy talk there because, like I said, we can't talk about everything in the first episode. We got uh, plenty more episodes to come. Um, let's briefly, like I said, this is main event comedy. We've all got ties to wrestling in some form or another. Uh, I got one. I got a wrestling related question I want to ask everybody. I want to hear everybody's answer to, and then we're gonna touch on like backlash from last night, and then we're gonna get out of here. But so I. I, I don't watch a lot of current wrestling these days. I just I just don't for a variety of reasons. But I watch a lot of old stuff. Um, and I like some of the new things I see. I like a lot of it. I don't. But and especially like on the indie level. Uh, but you guys on the screen, everybody on the screen right now, you're you know either involved in the business and at the very least you're a big fan because why the hell else would you get involved in this shit? Because they're certainly laying for the money. Uh, if you were just now in, in May of 2023, discovering wrestling for the very first time, and you had to base all your opinions on wrestling, on what's going on right now in AEW, WWE, whatever independence you were to encounter, do you think you would be a wrestling fan or at the very least as big a wrestling fan if you were coming in the door right now no no not at all i would watch dance moms or i would uh i would watch the ufc i would watch sandcastle build-offs is it cake anything anything else mike my i have a question for that at what age am i coming in to watch wrestling now uh, well, let's just say whatever age you were when you started liking it, because I think that's the only five years that. old. Okay. Five years old, probably. Yeah, I mean the production, the action figures, uh, an entire network of wrestling. Like I would probably not be like, man, there's too damn much. I can turn on wrestling every single night for two to five hours. I would be like, hell yeah, I can turn them on for two to five hours because I don't have a job and responsibilities. Think, as a five year old, who do you think would grab you right now? Hmm. Cody Rhodes. I mean, without even knowing who Dusty would be, and we're just taking away all previous prior wrestling knowledge and applying it to 2023 as a five-year-old. Probably Cody. Um, I like the red, white, and blue. You know that he comes out in. I'm just putting myself hopefully in a five-year-old's brain. I would also probably be drawn to Drew McIntyre because he would look like the action figures from other franchises that I play with. Yeah. Wes, where are you at? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard not to say Cody. You know, um, I mean, honestly, man, this this is going to be a little crazy, but I think if, I, if, I, if I'm watching AEW, at least, I mean, I think Jericho grabs me just because of his persona, you know. Uh, but here's the thing, too. I mean, with technology, you have, like, the WWE network, you know, to where you can go and find the run. But as far as current people, I still think, yeah, I'm into it. You know, uh, I would hate Roman Reigns. I mean, I think you kind of have to be, you kind of have to be down the rabbit hole before you start discovering the WWE Network. So I don't think that's going to draw you in. You're going to first see Monday Night yeah. Raw or Dynamite. Yeah. And then that has to draw you in. Yeah. And then somebody be like, you know, they got a whole network of that shit. And then you're like, what? There, there is absolutely no five-year-olds that are following Chris Jericho. What, some five-year-olds just hanging on the edge of his swing set watching Chris Jericho murder the English language? 
playing the role. There's a five-year-old. Nah, yeah, so, nah, I can see a bunch of kids getting behind Darby Allen. Getting behind John Moxley and going and cutting themselves around. Yeah, for about two more years, because Darby Allen's not going to walk when he's 30. No, dude. He does shit like I said that about Jeff Hardy. I mean, I was wrong about Jeff Hardy. He won't drive when he's 30. Damn. All right. So, uh, did you guys see Backlash? Did you read about Backlash? Did you watch highlights? And what are your thoughts? Uh, I watched it. I didn't. I, I don't know. I, it, it wasn't WrestleMania night one. <laughs> I want to be entertained. If you want to have some laughs, we're going to talk about that in a minute. But before we get there, we're all sitting on the edge of our seat on pins and needles because we want to know what did you guys. We heard what Delbert said. He's kind of negative, per the usual. He's, he's like his buddy Charles Anders. What did you guys think of Backlash? And I'll let you I, didn't, I didn't want to self-defecate myself. <laughs> oh, you did. You should. <laughs> Luckily, you're right next to it. Just raise your hand or just whoever wants to. I know you are both trying to be respectful now and not talk over the other one. Sure. All right, Shane Knowles, what do you think? I'll about take it down with it. Um, well, I thought that Bad Bunny, even though I roll my eyes that Bad Bunny is involved in professional wrestling, I cannot deny what a big artist he is when it comes to you know music sales and Grammys and whatnot. And at least, much like to your post that you put up earlier on social media, at least he's taking it seriously. At least this isn't clown shoes coming in here to wrestle, much like Logan Paul. He's committed to it. He's done training at the Performance Center. I enjoyed the match. My goodness, what a street fight. But... What does that do for Damian Priest to lose to Bad Bunny? I'm like, gosh, could he not beat Bad Bunny here? This isn't mania, as Delbert said. This is backlash. Give the guy a win. Um, but they're in for a good match. You know. mm-hmm. Oh, I love the uh, Savio Vega coming out for Bad Bunny. Oh, my God. Carlito's music hit. You would have thought that was the ultimate warrior return at WrestleMania 8, you know, at Puerto Rico. Um Rhea Ripley's a star, my goodness. In my opinion, she needs to get away from Judgment Day and do her own thing because they could capitalize on her as the face of women's wrestling. Um, but getting to the main event, right call was made. Uh, Brock Lesnar lost a match clean for the first time in a decade. As Cody Rhodes won, I think a lot of people, myself included, were skeptical if he would win. My goodness, he won clean. Um, I love that Cody... Dove over the top rope during Lesnar's entrance to start. That set a very good tone after what Lesnar did to him. I thought, we're not going to do a lockup and stare down, are we? And Cody said, no, screw that. Um, But the sign of blood, Lesnar hitting that exposed turnbuckle, and I know people are debating, I think he bladed. I'm like, well, the second he hit and looks back, it's coming from the side of the head, not the forehead, kids, right through here. And I love that the announcers had to acknowledge it. There was not enough camera angles where they couldn't distort it and get away. But it didn't, I don't know if you guys laughed. I love the announcer. Cole goes, his face is a crimson mess. I'm like, you can't even say crimson mess, damn it. Like Gordon Soli, a crimson mess. Oh, my ah, God. Crimson mess. He probably had to, go to a medical, he had to go to a medical facility after that. Well, if he bladed, you show me where because I, I didn't see it. Wes? Um, 
but yeah, the finish of that, loved it. The arm bar with the roll up because it still keeps Lesnar strong that a guy could not break out of the yeah. submission. Didn't but Cody kind of snuck bit. one there. Mm-hmm. Didn't hurt him one bit. You know, you know how stupid I am that I didn't, I just now realized when Shane knows was talking about it, what JD on Rhea Ripley's face meant. It was judgment. <laughs> what were your guesses prior to that? I don't yes, know. I, know. I went the whole match. I was like, what does that mean? I was like, I wonder what JD means. Just Delbert. <laughs> it could you don't know <laughs> <laughs> what's your takes Wes I mean I think we all agree that I mean Bad Bunny was just I think stole the show in my opinion I mean it was such a good street fight the um Going back to what Shane was saying about Priest, I, I did like that Bunny won because if you remember, you know, WrestleMania, they tagged up together. That was his first match. It was him and Priest, if I'm not mistaken. And it was kind of cool to see them have the match against each other. You yeah. know, besides the LWO and the, you know, the Judgment Day story, it was kind of cool seeing that part. And, I mean, Priest is fantastic. I mean, it, great talent. I mean, he's so fun to watch. And He's come a long way. Buddy, like I never thought mean, Punishment Martinez and Ring of Honor would go on to uh, to be what he's become. And it, you know, it's it. Yeah, he's so good. And then, of course, I mean, I, I was so impressed with the Cody and Brock match because we all know if Brock likes you, dude, he's gonna he's gonna work his ass off. And I thought he did a great job in that match with Cody. It was such a it was so entertaining. Like Shane said, when Cody out the gate jumps over the ropes and just it, here we go. I mean, it, it was built up so so well too. You know, um, they're they're about to team up against you know Roman is up betraying him, and it, it was such a good match. It was a clean finish, and that's that's something we're about to see Cody slowly be built back up. I think, and I'm 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 here for the ride. So. It was a clean finish that made sense. It didn't hurt Brock at all. And I mean, I'm glad you pointed that out, too, because people knock Brock Lesnar, but when it's time for him to sell and it's time for him to make somebody look good, he always delivers. He He sold for AJ. He sold for Brian Danielson. Like, when it's time for him to do do his part, he always does. Like, I don't really know where he gets this unjustified reputation of, you know, be not doing, you know, not putting people over, or not selling, not doing what needs to be done. Because, I mean, he always does. I mean, yeah, he looks strong when he needs to look strong, but you have to for it to mean anything over here when it's time for him to put somebody over. And all those times that he went over strong made it mean something when something like what happened last night happens. And uh, I'm a, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Cody Rhodes. Um, uh, you know, I was, I, I remember him leaving WWE and seeing like his first matches in Ring of Honor, like you know, the match with Jay Lethal. Uh, I was, me and my wife went to Chicago, was there live for All In, and, you know, you could just feel it was something special, you know, something, you know, building to something big. And uh, I was really, I really hated the way the AEW fans turned on him over time and, and you know, thought that was really disappointing and was afraid his career was going to sink. And then to see him go to WWE, get the reaction he got last year at WrestleMania and the way everybody has supported him now has been great. I was kind of worried everybody might turn on him after the whole, 
you know, night two debacle, you know, the way all that played out, but it looks like it's, you know, it's, it's going to turn out okay. And uh, I think if he had just come in and just beat Lesnar clean with a finish in the center of the ring, no blood, no nothing, just beat him. And people have been like, I don't know, but man, the way they play that out, Brock's hurt. Mm -hmm. He slipped it, slipped that pin in on him. Uh, they couldn't have booked that any better. Uh, as much as I love night one of WrestleMania, I hated night two equally. As much as I hated night two, I enjoyed Backlash. And I went into Backlash with no expectations whatsoever because I haven't watched a single minute of, Wrestle of WWE since WrestleMania night two. And uh, I think they really delivered. So we got to get out of here. Uh, I'm trying to keep these to around an hour. We're a little over that. So before we go, let's just remind everybody, coming up, Saturday, May the 20th, we are back at Happy Hour Comedy Club for our uh, monthly show there at Happy Hour in Anniston, Alabama. You're going to see uh, me, Wes, Shane Knowles. We're going to be joined by our buddy Dave DeBoe, uh, Bobby Slam from uh, Tennessee, and Alex Sexton. Should be a fun night. Again, Delbert won't be there. He will be doing the wrestling stuff. So if you want to see that, you know, you can uh, you can go up. Uh, yeah, you can go up to Rocket City and uh, Hazel Green and watch old dudes uh, roll around on the while, yeah. Steve yell, while Steve yells stuff at ringside to make you mad. It's going to uh, be awesome. Also, I'm very excited about this. Uh, the Rib Shack Comedy Competition in Amory, Mississippi that I won back in January, which gave me the, uh, the opportunity to come back and host again, uh, was supposed to happen March 25th. Uh, a couple of terrible tornadoes came through and destroyed half the town. The show had to be uh, canceled and rescheduled. Well, the show has been rescheduled. Uh, unfortunately, there were a couple of people who were originally scheduled on the first one who are booked elsewhere on that night. They can't be there. But the good news is I found a couple more people that can be there. Their name is Wes Sears and Shane Knowles. So they're right there in Amory, Mississippi at the Rib Shack competing against each other we may have a very different podcast coming up on the next episode because you're going to see three out of the four people on this screen competing for the hundred dollar grand prize it, and the, it's going to be notoriety of being the winner it's going to be so much fun i i'm bringing fentanyl for the road trip yes. I, I would not expect anything less let's go uh so if you want to see more main event comedy, and why wouldn't you, check out main, the maineventcomedy.com. You can find all our links there, but while we're here, let's just go ahead and talk about them real quick. Facebook.com slash maineventcomedy. YouTube.com slash at maineventcomedy. On Twitter, there's some group in England that used the name Main Event Comedy back in like 2017. They got the names tied up, so on Twitter, and they're not at comedy main event. They're not using it anymore, but and they're not they're not even as funny as we are. No. Yeah. And then so, that. And then follow us on Instagram at Comedy Main Event. And also, if you have a question, if you need advice from the one and only legend, Macho Man Randy Savage, I'm not gonna tell you how, but we have managed to access the Macho Man Randy Savage, and he is going to be a part of every episode of Main Event Comedy Podcast moving forward, and he will be here to answer your questions and to give you advice. So if you need advice, go to facebook.com slash Comedy. You can either post it on the wall or send us a private message. 
and tell us what you want to hear from the Macho Man, what advice you need, and we will make sure that the man himself will address it right here on the next episode of the Main Event Comedy Podcast. Anything else, guys, before we close out? No, I'm good. Thank you guys for watching. I will personally deliver the Macho Man here next time. And Delbert, thanks for the fentanyl in advance. (laughs) There you go. So thanks, folks, for watching. Please share this around. Spread the word. Uh, We're going to be doing these as regularly as we can. And uh, make sure you come out and see us either in Anniston or in Amory. We are also uh, getting working on nailing down a date for Gadsden, Alabama very soon. So as soon as we have that date, we'll be announcing that as well. And I've also talked to a friend who's uh, trying to find us a venue in Coleman. So you never know. We're going to be, we're going to be bringing main event comedy somewhere soon. And if you want to see us come to your town, hit us up, help us find a venue and we'll make it happen. So for uh, Wes Delbert and Shane, I'm Gene Jackson, AKA Buck Jenkins. We'll see you next time.